You can't be married to the outcome of your business. Like if you're so attached to the outcome, you'll become obsessed with it and you'll lose focus on like what you need to do to get there. Hello, welcome to Active Ingredient, a podcast all about personal and professional growth. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I'm a deeply curious person who's on a mission to help us all come home to ourselves, to truly come alive and to live lives that we genuinely love. I'm also the founder of Nude Nation, a brand building and PR agency that exists to help mission-driven brands and founders get clear on their why and spread their truth far and wide across media, podcasts, speaking engagements, and so much more. I started this podcast because I was so desperate to find my purpose. I wanted to interview people who I felt figured it out because honestly, I wanted that for myself too. And what I've learned along the way is that the answers are all internal, every single one of them. We find them in the silence. Validation is fleeting if you don't validate yourself first. And the more we nurture the relationship with ourselves and learn to listen to the deep voice inside and actually act from that place, the more the external starts to reflect the internal alignment. I believe that the more we can integrate ourselves holistically, the more whole we'll feel, which is why this podcast is a mix of my greatest loves, personal and professional growth. You can expect conversations that range from how to deal with imposter syndrome or how to build your confidence, as well as tips and tools on how to get your message out there in the world. My biggest wish for you is that you prioritize your joy, see yourself first, and that you come alive every single day. Welcome to Active Ingredient. I am so glad you're here. Hello, welcome back to Active Ingredient. We have another incredible conversation for you guys. I love this episode. It accidentally released yesterday on Monday, which is the day that I normally release, but I hadn't did my intro. So I took it off and now I'm putting it back on because I just wanted to pop on and say, hi, I have a few life updates, some exciting new things happening, and I wanted to share them with you. So I actually just got back from New York. It was an amazing time. Definitely weird to be back in the city that you've lived in for nine years, staying in a hotel, not having an apartment there. For context, for those of you who don't know, I have lived in New York for nine years and I moved about a month ago back to Miami where I'm from. It was weird to be in a hotel room. So weird. It just really makes you grateful for the space that you have in an apartment because those hotel rooms are literally made for ants. Like it is just so small. But grateful nonetheless, it was an amazing time. It felt like we were tourists in our own city, which was really fun. I mean, it's like a little sad because we're like, we're not tourists, but we are kind of this time. And we had a really, really great time, had some amazing meetings. Hopefully a lot of them turn fruitful and I can share more down the road. But I am also really, really excited that this week is Thanksgiving because I mentioned this on the last podcast that my sister and I launched a plate company or it's a tableware company really, but this week to me, it's a plate company, a plate and serving bowl company because we are so excited for Thanksgiving and, you know, starting to see people receive their orders and kind of just how they get together with the ones they love and create these beautiful tablescapes and just these moments is really exciting. And for us, we're just so excited to use our own sets with our family. So if you haven't checked it out yet, it's called pianopianohome.com. Well, the, the brand is called Piano Piano which means slowly, slowly in Italian. It's spelled like the instrument. The website is pianopianohome.com. 
yeah, we're just, I'm really, really excited to set the table to see the vibes. Thanksgiving is just like the best. It's just a no pressure holiday. That is the kickoff to Christmas. You get no holiday blues. Me and Kiki, my sister have been advocating for Thanksgiving being the best holiday, like for so long. It just is really the best. So I am beyond grateful for you for listening to Active Ingredient for being here for sharing because I feel like so many of you share with me your thoughts on the podcast or guests or things that you want to hear more of. I'm just so grateful for all the listeners of this show and to be able to do this show for three years and hopefully you can just continue to go down this road. I'm just, I'm, I'm just feeling like in a lot of gratitude right now. I feel really clear. I feel really just in alignment with a lot of things and maybe not everything, but in a lot of ways I do feel aligned. And the podcast is something that I'm getting way more clarity on how I want to show up on here. It really is all for you. So I hope that you are enjoying it. And again, like, you know, going into the new year, I'm very open to feedback. I'm very open to evolving in ways that serve best. That's really exciting. And then last thing I wanted to call out before going into the episode and who we have on is that... I am also the founder of a communications agency, a PR agency that represents founders of mission-driven companies. And they have products or services, brands that really are kind of just the vehicle of their mission. Right now, in our agency, we just finalized all the 2023 plans for our clients. And my sister and I, for my Tablescape company, for our Tablescape company, just finalized our 2023 plans as well. I have never done a course before, but I literally was like, wait a minute, like this is all so clear and in alignment. Like, why don't I share this with anyone who could use it. (laughs) Like, it's really that simple. I was like, wait, I feel like I can teach this. I feel like I can teach someone who is early on in their business or maybe bootstrapped and really wanting to get your message out there in the world to be seen, to be finding like-minded people who would benefit from what you're offering. We have tried and true ways of how we do PR at the agency that I think our results really speak for themselves, but they're really just kind of consistent frameworks of how to build your strategy, you know, really giving you insights into how far in advance you should be pitching things, how to pitch things, how to create those media lists that, you know, are are a running list of people to have in your back pocket for certain launches or for certain moments and when to activate them and what you should be doing live versus what you should be preparing for down the road. And all these things that we think about on behalf of our clients, I want to share that with you if that is something that's of interest. If you have a brand, a product, a service, something that you really want to kind of step into that new zone and get it out there in a way bigger way, I really, really believe that the course will be extremely valuable. It is $500 and it is a two hour session with me and my team. We will be teaching you how to create your strategy specifically for digital media, for podcasts, speaking engagements, awards, and partnerships. So those are all the things that we'll be covering in the course. I think it'll be really, really helpful and useful. And, you know, I've been showing a few of my friends in the space, the framework for it and the feedback has, has just been like, it's extremely clear and extremely valuable. So I really, really hope that if you're there, I think that it's one of those things also like in life, like when you're there, like you just know and you feel it. 
I would absolutely love to have you and set you up for success going into the new year. Because if you do have something that you've been working on, people need to know about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like so great to like put your heart and soul into something, but then it's like, okay, how do we share this with like-minded audiences? How do we do this in a way that is going to build a foundation and just continue to grow and grow? So if that's of interest to you, I'll have a link in the show notes, DM me, email me anything to book your spot. And if you have any questions, let me know. I'm super excited. I'll also be giving you guys just templates of things that you should have on hand, like a weekly checklist and, you know, the framework for your master lists and just your full 2023 year at a glance. And then on a monthly basis, specifically exactly how you're going to be doing it. So really all, and all, by the way, like layering up to the goal of just getting results, right? Like that is the whole point. And then being able to kind of test those results and see if they, they are helpful in finding your people. So with all that, if this sounds like this is for you, your brand or someone, you know, share with them for sure, because I would love to have them. So with that, I'm very excited to be talking about the guest of the show this week. We have Jacqueline Johnson on who has been on the show before. She's a returning guest and she is someone that I respect the hell out of just for so many reasons. To me, she is a master executor. She is someone who is just like eye on the prize. You know what I mean? Like she is so incredibly focused and honed in. I think that I, I'm like attracted to her way of working because she has a lot of things going on, which I feel like I do too. And sometimes it can seem like it's like everywhere, but it's all aligned. It's like, she's, she's a very mission driven human and has different vehicles of how it comes out. So if you are not familiar with Jacqueline Johnson, I first of all, highly recommend that you listen to the first episode that we did on Active Ingredient, but high level, she is a master marketer. She built and sold her first company, which was a PR agency and then launched Create and Cultivate, which is what she's mostly known for. And that is the point where I had her on the show back in 2020. She was at that point, Create and Cultivate has already had already been like this huge, massive success with, you know, Kardashians as headlines and just like this huge company that really is a destination for women to grow their businesses and grow themselves, which is clearly very in alignment with Active Ingredients Mission. Yeah. So create and cultivate really is kind of like that space. It's, it's a, it's a media platform and it's also an in-person conference. At the time that I had her on the show, she was, you know, at that point focused with create and cultivate, you know, investing a little bit, but more from like angel investing. And then now having her back on the show, I'm just like, how the hell did you do this all in two years? Like literally like how? So in those two years, she sold create and cultivate. She launched a venture fund and she launched a wine company literally since the last time I had her on this podcast. So I obviously had to have her back and talk about how the hell she did it and give us all the insights as to how she stays organized, how she Tetris's time, I guess, and like just tools that have worked for her and how she envisions like what works and what doesn't in business right now, what works when she's thinking of founders to invest in. She invests only in female founders. Like, what do you look for in them? Questions that like, I just, I'm genuinely curious about. And I just love all of her answers. She's so incredibly present and just someone who I feel like is full of energy, has so much value to share with us. And I hope that you enjoy. 
If you like this episode, please give us a five stars on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. I sound like a broken record at this point, but you guys, it actually really helps. It really, really does get the podcast in front of more like-minded listeners. Our numbers have been growing so much recently. It is so wild, but I think it's because you guys are really doing this. So if you haven't already, please give the show five stars. It is literally the way to support the show. With that... Jacqueline, welcome to the show for part two. Welcome back to the show. I feel like literally half of that pre-conversation would have been its own fabulous podcast and very juicy. I know we both need to shut up and just wait till we we hit record. Welcome back. It's so good to do this in person. So excited to be back in person. Doing How does podcast. it feel being in New York? You just came off of this huge Create and Cultivate event. It feels so good to be back in New York. I actually, I mean, I'm here for work, but I'm here, I'm here for a long time. And I feel like I finally have got to see people that I've been Zooming with for a billion years and like seeing them in person, doing podcasts in person, interviews in person. So it's been really nice. I love it. I mean, I feel like just having people here from LA, from all places, it just feels completely different. And it's a very different world since the last time that I had you on the podcast. I mean, I told you before we started, I was like, I want to start this podcast literally as if we had just picked up the conversation from the last podcast, which you guys, you need to go back and listen to Jacqueline's first episode on Active Ingredients. She gives her whole backstory, how she had this PR agency. She sold it. She started creating Cultivate in a really organic way. I'm giving the high notes. And yeah, so she'll give that whole story in that first episode. We're kind of picking it up from there. And since that conversation, literally just two years ago, you have sold Create and Cultivate, you launched New Money Ventures, and you just recently launched a wine company. How are you sitting, standing, breathing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and there's a global <laughs> pandemic. So yeah, no, it's been a wild couple years. I think it's been really interesting going through the transaction with Create and Cultivate, obviously seeing that new evolution of that business, that brand, bringing on a new CEO. But I think the fund, the venture fund, New Money Ventures you mentioned was sort of a natural progression of what I was kind of already doing at Create and Cultivate. I'd been angel investing for so many years and I knew for my next move I wanted to formalize out what that looked like and do something a bit bigger because at Create and Cultivate and probably most conferences you go to that are female-centric, you hear the stat, 2% of VC funding goes to women, even less for women of color. And it's shocking. It's a shocking stat. It's not gone up in many years. It actually went down a little bit during the pandemic, which is horrible. But what I also learned was that only 5% of venture capital firms are run by women. So when you look at the numbers, it kind of makes sense. Looking at venture, primarily that business is built on deal flow and who you know and who's in your network. And so if everyone in your network looks like you, runs in the same circles as you, the deals you're going to get are going to look a lot like deals that would make sense for you. Right. It's like a reflection, a mirror. It's a reflection. Yeah, exactly. So for me, I was like, I have this like unprecedented access to female entrepreneurs of all kinds. And I know I can get access to incredible opportunities from an investment standpoint. And so I wanted to launch a fund where it was not only money, but mentorship. And it really was founder first and providing that strategic oversight that I, you know, really wanted when I was growing both my businesses, while also providing capital to help these women grow their companies. I'm super curious about like the formalizing process, because like you said, you've been investing for a long time. Like 
what's the incentive for doing that? And also like, how has it changed you as an investor from angel investing to now formalizing it with new money ventures? Yeah. So I still angel invest, but new money ventures, basically it's essentially getting the stamp of approval from other people who are investing in your fund. So essentially I had this concept, wanted to do a $20 million fund focused on female run, female led companies in the CPG and consumer space. I put together a whole outline of what this could look like. And I started going out to people potentially who could be LPs or limited partners Mm -hmm. who would invest their own capital into the fund to, you know, obviously make it the $20 million fund. And I was lucky in that the first LP I went to um, is this woman, Jenny Just. She is one of the only self-made female billionaires in the United States. I met her through Create and Cultivate. Jenny Just? Jenny Just. I mean, also a JJ. Not Jennifer Um, Justice? Or is it Jennifer Justice? not Jennifer Justice. Okay. (laughs) Jenny Just, a different Jennifer. I know, it's funny. A lot of JJs doing badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I, um, you know, met her and she has primarily worked in, you know, built empires in the fintech space, very different than like what I know, but she has some great initiatives around um, female-led companies. So for instance, she runs something called Poker Power, which is aiming to teach women how to play poker to utilize those skills in the boardroom. So game theory, risk management, all these different things. Long story short, we connected. I gave her my pitch and was like, this is what I'm looking to do. And she was like, I'm in. And I was like, great. And she ended up taking the entire $20 million. So we have a single LP. Wow. Yeah. Which is not, I wouldn't say is a normal experience. Did you ask her? And obviously I know that you're incredible and clearly your reputation precedes you, but did you ever ask her like, why you? Yes. So what's interesting is that I think part of the reason why there was a lot of interest is I've had some really good successes and investments I've made in the past. So I was in the friends and family round at away luggage. I've seen some really good exits. I have a good eye for spotting talent in those spaces. So I think that's number one. Number two is that I live and breathe consumer brands and that's not her forte. Like that's not where she sits in the industry. She She's a separate fund that she invests in fintech, healthcare, insure tech, all these different, you know, other verticals, crypto, et cetera. So I sit in in an industry that she doesn't sit in. And also I felt like we both could learn a lot from each other, which I think was a really important piece of it for me as well, is that she's been investing in building and growing companies extremely successfully forever. And this is my first foray into venture. And so it was also kind of a nice marriage of being able to lean on someone that has that background in finance that I could, um, you know, do this with. So Also, it's very rare for a female-led fund to only have female LPs. So we were kind of this, it was kind of this cool unicorn moment of like, let's get this going. Let's get it started. I love that. So within the fund right now, what is the goal? Like, do you have like a certain amount of portfolio brands that you want to have? Like, what is it that you're looking for? What is the mission? Or if someone's listening and they're like, I fit this mold and I want to pitch to Jacqueline, like who is that person? Yeah. So we launched with um, a kind of a different mandate. We filled a lot of the spots that we wanted to fill. I would say currently where we're looking to invest is in a few different spaces. One is the creator economy. I'm really bullish on that category. I think there's so many great startups out there that are really figuring out how to monetize creators in interesting ways. So looking for investments in that space and also health tech and femtech is really interesting to me. So whether it's mobile technology or brick and mortar spaces that are looking to reinvent the healthcare system in some way, shape or form, that's also really interesting on that radar. And even in medicine, like disruption in medicine, clean medicine, definitely looking at investing in those types of businesses. We typically are looking for a series A investment. That's kind of where we found our sweet spot is uh, either coming in late stage seed or series A. 
we've done pre-seed investments as well. The beauty of having a single LP and like being able to really control what we're doing is like, we get to invest in whatever we want at the end of the day. However, you know, where I see the most potential and also the most value I can provide is companies that are really getting to that stage of series A. So we've invested in companies like Gia, which is... Oh my God, did you watch Shark Tank? I'm sure as oh, an I investor. Yeah, 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 100%. She so, did so great. She, she did, did so great. great. Yeah. So Gia is a non-alcoholic aperitif. We actually... They know. The active ingredient listeners know Gia because okay. A, I've had Melanie. B, I talk about it literally all the freaking time. I love it. Yeah. Um, not, not to cut you off, but like we know. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's great. Another Shark Tank brand is Doe, D-E-U-X. Good for you. Love the Skinny Confidential Doe collab. Oh my God. So good. So good. So good. Um, Sabina is the founder, an incredible marketer and like a genius at partnership. So that's been so fun to watch her skyrocket. I like have so many freaking questions. I think the first one is, I feel like since we last talked and you you were already investing, but I think that it takes like a, a serious mindset shift to be able to step into this level of investing. And I'm really curious about your approach to just continuing to level up. And I actually just interviewed Gay Hendricks, the author of The Big Leap. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, mm-hmm. but he talks about the upper limit problem and how like every time that you kind of like grow to that next level, sometimes you'll like self-sabotage or like really uncomfortable because it's the unknown and you don't know yourself in that version yet. And then you have to like recalibrate and get to a new set point. You've continued to like grow that set point. So how do you do it? Do you find that that happens to you ever? And like, what do you do to step into that new version of yourself? Yes, totally. There's definitely learning curves on all of it. I mean, I think for me, I had been doing Create and Cultivate for 10 years. So the weirdest part about, you know, I can't believe it was 10 years forever. So the weirdest part about, you know, moving away from the CEO role and into my new role was like, I woke up and for the first time in 10 years, I wasn't doing the same thing, which is super weird to wake up and not be like, I need to check this budget spreadsheet. I need to book this venue or whatever it might be. But when it came to venture and, you know, one, I had already been kind of doing this, but I think what I was really good at and what I really enjoyed was understanding holistically how businesses operate. So I understand and can call bullshit pretty quickly on a business because I've been that person. I understand. And I think sometimes and everyone does this, but they try to make, you know, give the best version of their business. And I like to really question and get into literally one of my first questions I always ask on a pitch is like, what is your biggest struggle? What is your biggest hurdle? Because everyone's like, how are you growing? How are you doing this? Like, you know, and they're also, you can spin a thousand different ideas, but like, what's the problem right now? And so I'm really big on getting into the weeds on like, how is your business doing? Yes, you may be crushing it, but where are the road bumps? Like where are the signs, you know, that things might not go as well. So that's what I feel like I've gotten really good at, but there are a million learning curves too, when it comes to building a fund, the paperwork that goes with it, obviously the fiduciary duty of having other people's money invested in it. So that's definitely been like an interesting learning curve, but I feel like I'm a constant learner and I love learning by doing versus like- I was going to ask, how do you learn? I just feel like I'm not scared to fail. Is that innate or do you work on that? I think it's innate. I think I'm in a different place now than I was at the beginning of creating culture. I was like always scared to fail. (laughs) So I think like getting over that and having had success in that business has given me a lot of confidence to move into things with like a new mentality. But I'm just, I think for me, I'm like, great. Like what's the worst that could happen? Like it fails. I shut it down. I move on. Like having that mentality. And I always tell founders this too, like you can't be married to the outcome of your business. Like if you're so attached to the outcome, you'll become obsessed with it and you'll lose focus on like what you need to do to get there. So I think I'm like very unattached to the outcome of how things 
roll out. And I'm more excited for the journey of how I get there. And do you think that that happens with experience or do you think that that happens from like intentional work to get to that place of like actually letting go? And I think that applies, by the way, to life in general. When you hold on and attach to literally a relationship, a friend, a business, whatever, like that is just sending like scarcity energy into the universe. hundred percent. But yeah. So like, is that a practice or is that just experience? It's for sure a practice. And like, I think also for me, you know, when I was running Create and Cultivate, like an exit was always important to us, but like, I feel like so many lessons during that time and like therapy wise people, my therapist was always like, you always are like, well, when I sell the company, like when I sell the company, I'll go and do this. And then I'll go and do that. And I'll maybe look at this. And she's like, we don't know when that day is like someday is never. So you need to like live your life now. And I think that was like a really strong turning point for me where I was like, I got to stop saying like, when this happens, I'll do this or I'll be this person or I'll be this version of myself. And so I think that was really good advice. So when that like really sunk in, what were you focusing on that actually helped you like stay in the present? I mean, I think I started to like really just focus on being a better leader, making more time for myself, like really trying to up level out of like the minutia that I was in within the company. So I think it was just about taking like really intentional steps to like try to pull myself out of being so in the weeds, caring about every single thing, trying to let go a little bit. I'm really curious now that you angel invested, now have this VC, and now you just launched this wine company, which I cannot wait to try. You're on both sides of the coin right now. Mm -hmm. So what's the big learning? Like, are you seeing it from the lens of an investor? And then you're also seeing it from the lens of PR, from the lens of marketing, from the lens of sales. Like, I want to be in your mind right now. Like, tell us what's going on in there. (laughs) It's funny. I gave a keynote the other week and I was like, I think I have a really interesting perspective on business because I've built and sold a B2B business. I've built and sold a self-funded B2C business. And now I'm running a venture-backed consumer business. I'm also an investor and I've also been an angel investor. So I've seen like unicorn, all the pieces (laughs) of the pie and how they kind of work. I would say, you know, I think it's really interesting. I mean, I think we're in a massive inflection point given where the markets are, but I think previously, you know, we were in this grow at all costs, acquire as many users as possible, build, 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 like no matter what. And like, that's what, what success was measured on is like the highest amount of growth possible. I think now, you know, we were just kind of chatting about this, but there is this level of stickiness and niche that has become more appealing to people. And I think where we're going in terms of like M&A is people who have built a really strong audience in a niche sector where a larger company cannot even they, though they have unlimited resources and unlimited cash, recreate that magic and acquire that customer because it's too specific, too niche. Ghee is a great example of that. Like they've created this amazing community around non-alcoholic beverages, being in the food space, has this really great cachet of a brand. Like a Coca-Cola, I don't think could recreate that now. Like it's too late, I think. So they really like secured this niche. And I think for them longer term, a larger company would look at that and say, we need to acquire this audience Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously the product, but like it would be too hard for them. So I think like innovation niche is the new like growth and audience acquisition when it comes to what brands should be focusing on and also what VCs are looking for. So when someone comes to pitch to you, that's like the first thing that you're looking at. Yeah. Because I think like we've gotten pitches where a company was like, we did 30 million in revenue year three. And I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. This is like, this company's absolutely crushing it. 
And then I realized they're spending like 40 million in marketing. And I'm like, yeah, no <laughs> shit, you're making 30 million. Like, but that was that old mentality. It was like spend, 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 grow, 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 biggest number possible. But it's not sustainable long term. Yeah. I actually never understood that model. Like, I, I swear, I asked my boyfriend who's in finance to like sit with me over and over again. And it just didn't make sense. Like from just a common sense perspective, I just did not understand it. My brain couldn't wrap itself around it. Now it, it makes total sense to me. Like acquiring niche customer, like, like to your example, stickiness, stickiness is what is the wave. And it actually makes sense from all angles. And like, you cannot replicate it, which is the best type of investment in my opinion. One of the stats we always ask about is recurring revenue. Like how many people are coming back and buying the product again? Because that's where you see the stickiness. Like how are these people engaging with the brand? And I think previous to that, you know, even if you look at media models, they're essentially buying traffic to hit the impression numbers for their advertisers. And it's all just like this really gross cycle of like buying people to come. They're not engaged with your brand. They could care less. They just happen to click on like a, you know, clickbaity headline. Yeah. And boom, they get the impressions for their ad partner who ends up being happy because they're hitting their impression. Right. But who actually is the customer for any of those people? Yeah. Like no one. Totally. I was actually talking to someone in the podcast space because I'm still growing Active Ingredient and like I've never put a dollar behind it. The listener definitely comes back over and over again. We're in a Geneva group. It's a very sticky community. And I've started to do some some ads. Literally, the sponsors keep coming back because my smaller community is converting more than the 10,000 per mm-hmm. podcast that exists right now. I have no idea how those people are getting those 10,000 per episode numbers. But like, this isn't even to like talk about my own podcast. It's just like, is less is more the vibe right now? Yeah, it's definitely the vibe. I think it's it's definitely who converts, who attracts. And that's why you're, it was kind of already starting when everyone was like, never mind, big influencers go for micro influencers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we've already seen that trend kind of happen. It's just now moving into the consumer space. Because I think brands, in order to grow, are going to need to get those sticky customers, mm-hmm. niche customers through the door. This week's episode is brought to you by Seed, which, as you guys know, is my literal favorite pre and probiotic, and it could not be more relevant to the conversation that we're having with Monique on the show today. And the current season that we're in, honestly, we're in fall-winter, which is my favorite time of the year. And at the same time, it's time of year that we need to be on top of our immune systems. Like, this is the time to really take care of ourselves. So the gut and the immune system actually work together to come up with our body's best response to the world around us. And that internal communication is called the gut immune axis, which actually I recently just learned about. But it's what helps our body distinguish the difference between something that is like a harmless substance and something that our body doesn't recognize as its own. So like the flu, for example. That's why it's so incredibly important to really support your microbiome definitely all year. Like truly, this is not a just now thing, but an all year thing. It's just that especially in the colder months, we're all more susceptible to getting sick. So it's really, really important. As you know, I take Seeds DS01 Daily Symbiotic literally all year round. It is the best and I swear by it. I use it to set myself up for a strong foundation for my mind and my immune system and just my overall gut health. So I could not recommend this brand enough. And again, these months are really, really important. Seed is giving all active ingredient listeners 15% off your first order with code ACTIVE, A-C-T-I-V-E, that you can use at checkout. And that was for 15% off. It's code ACTIVE, A-C-T-I-V-E. If you do check it out, let me know. I have connected with so many of you guys on 
what it's been like using seed. Some of you had already been using it. Some of you have just recently started trying it. So I really do love this product. I swear by them. And I do think that like on top of just, you know, taking a probiotic to set our immune systems up for success, I think it's also just worth noting that during these months, you know, make sure that you're getting, and I'm not a doctor, but make sure that you're getting a good amount of sleep, that you're drinking tons of liquids, nourishing yourself and taking a probiotic and seed is, in my opinion, the absolute best one to set yourself up for success during these colder months. So I'm just going to say the code one more time, active A-C-T-I-V-E. If you want 15% off your order, let me know. Thank you, Seed, for sponsoring the show. Okay. So then with your new brand, how are you cultivating that? Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah. So <laughs> the new the new brand is called May. It's May Wines. And essentially it was launched out of a, solving a problem. Essentially, I, during the pandemic, drank a lot of wine um, and joined a Relatable. wine clubs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Would, you know, basically get a nice bottle and on a Monday night, open it up. Maybe you want one glass. My husband doesn't drink. So I like pour myself a glass and then put the bottle back in the fridge, maybe go out to dinner the next day, forget about it the next day, get back. And like on a Thursday or Friday, it's like just never tastes as good. Um, and then you like banish it to the back of your fridge or down the kitchen sink or you end up cooking with it. I was just with a friend who was saying like she would like freeze all of her old wine to put in stews. And like, Stop. it's like you get like you do it though and you feel guilty. Like you're yeah. like, oh, and that was a nice bottle of wine. Like I feel like shit about it. So then I was like, okay, single serve. Like let me look into single serve market. And majority of the products out there were canned, which has its place in the space for sure. But like for me was not providing the elevated experience I wanted. I felt like it never tasted as good as I wanted it to. And so I was like, okay, like, let me see what's out there for single serve glass. And like, legitimately it's Sutter home. Like there's nothing out there in glass bottles. And like, that's so weird. Like maybe there's champagne splits, but like, that's kind of it. So I started like looking into this like model and like into these glass bottles. We ended up kind of doing some market research into, into the category. And what I felt like was missing was solving for this problem of wanting moderation and making it easy. Number one. Number two is like also from a hosting perspective, if someone wants white wine and someone wants rosé and someone wants red, not having to open three bottles and go, have three bottles go to waste, like make it super easy, give people what they want. Oftentimes people want a glass of white and then they move to red, you know, whatever. So it's like, mm-hmm. makes it's so easy from a hosting perspective. Our whole philosophy is a taste without the waste. So you're not like wasting those bottles. We also are using glass as mentioned. So our product is endlessly recyclable, but also upcyclable. So you're able to use it. We have people using it for infusing olive oil, making their own like vanilla extract, bud vases, um, you know, lotion holder, whatever. It's so cute. It's so cute. Thank you. It's so, so cute. It's so well done. It's super fun. So sustainability, that like part of it was was a little bit of interest, was of interest to me and in getting that into the messaging as well. And just finding that nothing was really out there. So I think for us, like the niche that we're really going after is millennial consumer or Gen Z consumer who's interested in dabbling in wine, doesn't want to below the bank on like our super expensive brand, but wants to learn more, curate, is interested in moderation. We're finding more and more people are drinking less. Yeah. Um, obviously the rise of low ABV and all these things. So like kind of tapping into that trend a little bit and then also creating a brand that's super accessible. So I live part-time in Napa. I No, no, I know. I feel like you and I bond on Scribe. Oh, <laughs> truly the best. Like, is that where this wine comes from? Oh my God. No. I mean, look, Scribe is like a very boutique experience and has like a gorgeous billion dollar (laughs) tasting room. So we are not that yet. 
But I think like what's interesting is like you go to a scribe, you go to these like places and like you get into the wine world and it's very insular. I mean, I compare it to the art world. Like it feels exclusive. If you don't know what you're talking about, you feel like an idiot. Mm -hmm. Like when people are in restaurants and they're like, do you want to taste it? People are just like throwing it back. Like, yeah, it's not (laughs) shitty. So it's great. So like, what are you actually tasting for? Like, how do you really learn about wine and why is it pinpointed to such an elitist group? So we are, one of our mottos is no wine snobs allowed. We want to be accessible from a price point, but also accessible from an education point where we can really teach people about wine and have fun. And so like, you'll know, like this is a full bodied wine and you'll know what that means. Or like, this is a light bodied wine, or this is an intense wine. I love that. Complex wine. And you'll be able to feel confident about it. So we're launching our journal this week. Oh, all content around that. So you can actually learn I love this so much. I can't wait to try it. And I also really want to understand how you are creating stickiness within that brand. Now that you know that that's what you're looking for in investing in brands, like how do you create that? So we have this membership and the idea behind it is it's $65 a month. You get eight mini bottles. You can get all red, all white or a mixed pack. And then you also get invited into the May World community, which means you get access to tasting classes, content, exclusive content, as well as each month, a surprise and delight item. So basically the idea behind it is it's discovery. So I think wine is the ultimate connector, right? Like you go drinks, you host a dinner party, you know, you're, you bond over that experience, but like there's other things that can also enhance the wine experience. So And taking all of your learnings from Create and Cultivate and bringing them and applying them to this. Yeah. Insane. Okay. This is all amazing. I literally cannot wait to try it. I am really curious about many things. One being your time management because you have all this stuff going on. How the hell do you do it? I feel like I also identify as someone who just has a lot of balls in the air and you've mastered how to actually execute. That's the difference. You know, like I feel like a lot of people have a lot of ideas, but how the hell do you execute? One of my skill sets that I'm really good at is time management. I'm really good at prioritization. I think I know how to put away things that don't need to be so urgent and really apply and and push on things that do. I also have like great people around me, which is... So what are those key hires actually? Yeah. So May, we're so tiny, um, but we have two people in marketing. We have a um, like senior director of marketing and a marketing manager that are so amazing. Like I feel so lucky. Never leave me. <laughs> podcast. They're so awesome. So they came from CPG. They have that background. They've worked at startups. They know so much about the space. And so they've really been helping us. We obviously have freelancers that we're working with that have been really amazing from graphic designers to event producers. So it's been really, really nice. So we have like that strong team. And then obviously I still am on the Create and Cultivate side. So yeah. I work with that team all the time on the podcast, on you know strategy events, talent, things like that. And then on the new money side, it's myself and my partner, Neha Kumar, who also works with me on May. Is Neha based here in New York? No, she's, she's in LA. Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. And so she is a operations and finance whiz. That is like her background. So she is so great at operationalizing and f- handling a lot of the financial side of things. So we're good yin and yang. So we really are able to tag team a lot of different things. How has your identity shifted? Oh my gosh, so much. It's so weird. Um, I mean, it hasn't, it hasn't. Like... I think the thing that's interesting is that I am doing all these other things, but Create and Cultivate is such a beloved brand. It's like everyone wants to talk about Create and Cultivate, which is awesome. And obviously I'm still an owner in the company on the board and the founder. So I'm like, yes, let's talk about it. 
But it's pretty wild to build such a brand that people are so obsessed with. It's pretty, it's pretty exciting. So to move into something else when you're like, be obsessed with my new brand. With the new one, yeah. yeah. But it's also like, you know, it's great. I mean, I think the, all the things that I'm doing feed into each other. Crate and Cultivate's amazing deal flow for New Money Ventures. Crate and Cultivate's love wine. So it's like this great like mix, you know, we yeah. bring um, May at the happy hour. So everything's super complimentary. But I think for me, I've definitely just like elevated into a role where a little less pressure, I would say, being yeah. on the side of it. I'm curious though, like with everything that you have going on and like when ideas come, because you seem to be someone who like, there's a lot of ideas that are thrown your way, a lot of ideas that come from within. How do you know which ones are the ones to actually move forward with? And then how do you prioritize them? And do you, for your weeks, are you like, on this day, I'm focused on new money ventures on this day, I'm focused on my, like, how, how does it work? Yeah. So I think like the ideas that I tend to move forward with are the ideas that solve problems because I think those tend to be the most successful. So Crate and Cultivate, when I went online, there was nothing at the time for female founders. No resources, no online content, no events, no nothing. So I was like, I want to solve this problem. With May, same thing. Like, I want to solve this problem. New Money Ventures, kind of same thing. Like, there's no venture firms out there that are really prioritizing women in the way that we wanted to that are also backed by a female LP. Like, so we were like, let's figure out how we can do this and do it our way. So I feel like those are the ones I typically execute on. The other thing I'll say is like, I actually, you know, besides May, I really have been focusing on helping other women. So been doing a ton of mentoring, been doing some coaching as we were chatting about, and obviously angel investing as well. So I really enjoy that piece of it also, because I feel like I can provide a lot of insight into the journey that most people can't. I want to talk about your coach. We talked about this when we started, but Jacqueline's been working with a career coach for seven years. Yeah, forever. Okay. And I don't think that people talk about this enough. I've definitely, I've had my coach on the show and I've talked about it, not super like overtly, but like I, people know, and I've only been working with him for about a year. Yeah. Literally in this one year, the the growth that has happened personally and professionally for me has been literally unmatched. Like I cannot believe it. So seven years in, like, has it been the same coach the whole way through? Who needs a coach, I guess? So Gretchen Jones is my coach. She's awesome. Um, Her Instagram is weird specialty. She's amazing. Like I got recommended to her by different friends and our journey has been so different, like changed so much. Like initially it was like, I was in the thick of growing, creating, cultivate, trying to scale my team, trying to bring on executive hires, trying to manage a million things at once. And so she came in at like a really hectic period of time and was able to really be a sounding board that also wasn't an employee, which was really important. And then also be able to help me elevate into leadership. So like, I think that it was less about the business because the business was doing extremely well. It was more about leadership. I think for me at that time, I was for the first time at any given moment, managing 25 people. I waited way too long to hire C-suite hires. I just felt like it was too expensive and it made me nervous. And I was really hard to find people. And I also was going through a mil, like I was becoming the face of the brand at the time. I was like, it was just a lot. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I needed someone to talk to, to get through all of those different things and also manage all the personalities in the room. Yeah. So she was instrumental in that piece in building out the C-suite team managing the team, getting to a place where I was managed up versus like me managing down, mm-hmm. all those different things. And then also 
The second phase was really like getting through the sale of the company and working with me on that, how to keep people motivated, how to get like, you know, whatever. Also going through the global pandemic. I mean, that was like huge, like how to, how to pivot, how to be a leader during that time, which I don't think anyone knew because everyone was freaking Yeah, out. we were always the blind leading the blind, yeah. honestly. <laughs> so it was also like every day I'd have to be like, we got this guys. And then I'd go like cry in my closet. <laughs> like it was just a really hard time yeah. for any, any leader. So she was really amazing at helping me get through that phase. And then now now helping me figure out my new identity, my new role, what my long-term career path looks like. So it's been a wild ride. I've rec- now she coaches a lot of people I know, but she's she's really wonderful. What's the difference between a coach and therapy? So therapy, like I feel like every therapist I go to is like, don't talk to me about work. <laughs> like I feel like I, that's like all, That's what I do. Is all I do is yeah. talk about it. So I now I just go to couples therapy. I don't even go to my own therapy because essentially Gretchen, I feel like is my therapist. <laughs> Because I'm like, all of my stress and problems just come from work. Like, totally. everything else is chill. Totally. Like, I don't know if I need in my In my view, I do both therapy and um, I'm actually starting couples therapy very soon. The very excited. Call. I'm very fucking excited from like the best place ever. Like, oh. that's that, that's why I think I'm like very excited for it's, it. It's a game changer. Really? Yeah. It's a game I'm really, I've been with my boyfriend for 12 years. Oh my God. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Perfect. And I feel like we're just like so excited to do it. And I kind of want to like shift the narrative on that because I feel like people think like, oh, you're going to couples therapy. Like, oh shit. Like, no, shit's, no, no, no. Yeah. no, no, no. I'm very excited and I'll keep the listeners posted on how it goes. I love that. But in my experience, because I do both right now, personal therapy and coaching, I feel like therapy is really like exploring past patterns and past stories. And then coaching is really like, from now moving forward and more like future journal or not journaling, but like future, what's that word that I'm looking for? Like manifestation. Yeah. I guess like manifesting, building, building, but like coming from that place of like, we're not really exploring the past. It's just like, okay, now what's useful right now? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. What motivates you? You literally are like the energizer bunny. I'm like your energy. Do you feel this wolf? Like, holy shit. (laughs) I feel like I just like, I love doing things. Like I love building and growing and and seeing things through. I just, it excites me. I think like my therapist was like, how would you feel? The one therapist I went to who also was like, what is wrong with you? But she was like, <laughs> how would you feel if you woke up and had no emails? And I was like, <gasps> I was like, I don't know. It's a horrible feeling. Like I do love being in the mix on things. And I think that's what motivates me is like being able to create something that people love that brings them together. Like it's so rewarding in that way. I love that. What is something that you feel like you really know? Like, you know, this with full certainty, you know, that this is true, that you actually wish everyone knew. Oh gosh. I guess I would say it's a lot harder than it looks. That would be what I would say. I think we, especially like in the past, like it's gotten better, but you know, I'm on the board of a 501c3 called Half the Story. Um, Oh, I love them. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're basically, their whole mission is to help the next generation and the youth have a better relationship with social media. Mm-hmm. And basically saying social media is half the story. I really related to that. Like, I think for me, like everyone who like watched my journey of creating Cultivate was always like, oh my God, like you was like, you did it. You blew up overnight. Like everyone thought we launched in 2017 when we had like Kim Kardashian. And I was like, no, it was eight years like basically building this until we got to this place. And so I always like to be really honest about like what it's actually like to build a business, what it's actually like to deal with pitching people who don't understand your business, getting no's, like all the negative stuff that comes with the toxicity in the workplace. Like I try to be as honest as possible about those things because it is a struggle. Like I think everyone's trying to obviously put their best foot forward when it comes to 
social media, Being out and there. all the yeah. wins, all the wins, all the wins. And no one talks about the losses until they're published in a magazine out yeah. of female founders or whatever. So I'm just trying to be as like real as possible about that so that people aren't like, why like on TikTok, you go on, you're like, how I made a million dollars, like selling a course on Etsy. And everyone's like, I know I launched a course. Why am I not making a million dollars? It's like, cause it's a lot harder than it's actually. That is actually like a, a key pillar of this podcast is I talk about delayed gratification and how our generation is just kind of like, and it's not our fault really. It's just like, a lot of things are just given to us. We Amazon Prime, literally anything with our fingertips and delayed gratification is an actual muscle yeah. that we need to practice. Yeah. Like, and sometimes even with like small things, I'll like intentionally be like, okay, we're going to actually practice the delayed gratification and eating the hummus and carrots right now for five minutes. So you can actually know what it's like to wait and not have something in that exact moment, because we're just not, that's just not the culture that we live in. And like, especially with, with building a business, building anything way longer than you think. Way longer than you ever think. All right. So is there anything else that you would say to our listener? Our listener is a seeker. It's someone who really wants to live in alignment. You seem to be very much in a zone right now where things are really like kind of meshing together. I feel like you're coming into a wholeness of Jacqueline Johnson and our listeners on some place in that journey and they really want that for themselves. What piece of advice would you give them? I would say it ebbs and flows. Like I think it's very hard to always be in alignment. And I think when you I think it was always hard for me because people would always say that, like, I'm in alignment. I'm, I'm feeling this way or that way. And I never really was like, well, how do you know when you're not, you know? And I think it, like, it's so visceral when you feel like what you're doing is not working or you're starting to feel like anxious and overwhelmed by like what, you know, is taking place. Like you really have to pay attention to like your physical reaction. I think too, it's, it's a really physical thing. And I think I've felt that many times in my Like career. what, for example? Like with my first company, no subject, like it was really interesting because I started that company with a co-founder. We ended up having a business partner breakup. I talk a lot about it in my book, Work Party. Guys, it's such a good book. It's oh, really, really good. You. Also, her podcast is amazing. Also called Work Party. Yes. So um, thanks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember like when I basically like I got, I sold it. I sold that company. And like, I they gave me like two offers of like, like basically I had two off options on the table. One was like, go work for this like very reputable company who had a great track record and like, you know, be a partner, do what I know how to do, which is what I've been doing. Or like take a risk on create and cultivate, which is, I did not know how to throw large scale conferences, really had no team at the time, but like had momentum. And I like knew, like I was looking at both offers and I was like, I don't know, I don't know. And I just like, for whatever reason, felt so much anxiety and stress thinking about, doing what I had been doing for so long, which is weird because the body. other one should feel more stressful because it's the unknown. It's right. a riskier option. But I just knew that there was something there. Like I felt it. I really struggle with this the most. It's like, how do you decipher between the voices? I feel like it's it's truly like a physical feeling. Like I remember I went to school. So I, like my mom's like, you make really hard decisions very fast. Like, because I, I feel like it's a gut feeling truly. Like I went to college my first year in, in Worcester, Massachusetts, the Holy Cross. And I just like knew I was not meant to be in Worcester. And so I like applied to NYU, got in, transferred, like, and my parents were like, what do you mean you're moving to New York? Like, what the hell? And like, same thing with like this situation. I was like, mom, I'm going to double down and try and figure out this company. He's like, what? But I just, I feel like I just go where the momentum is. Like, I just try to follow where I feel like, I'll be a better version of myself or a truer version of myself. That's such good advice. That makes sense. That makes perfect, perfect <laughs> sense. It's actually really valuable. I have to ask because I'm obviously a PR person too. Yeah. What do you like identify as PR today? Like how do you see PR in this new landscape? 
what works, what doesn't. I just, I have to know. A hundred percent. I think the new PR is strategic partnerships. I think it's a really challenging space right now in marketing in general. I think paid marketing is really expensive and doesn't really work that well. And I think the best path forward and the things that have been most effective for us in terms of like PRing stuff is finding like-minded brands who have similar audiences and doing value exchanges and really being strategic about partnering with those brands in unique ways. I think for us, like traditional pitching and partners, it's just like, it's, it's not working anymore. I think the landscape has completely changed. I think the only thing that's really working in PR is affiliate marketing where obviously these publications have to make money. So Mm -hmm. if they can make a buck off posting your content, they will then write about you a lot. So at the end of the day, like the traditional pitch and cover story and all those things, like I just don't think are happening the way they used to. I love this conversation. I have to close it out with this question, which you answered last time. And I'm curious what your answer is this time. The podcast is called Active Ingredient because I think every person has an ingredient within them and our job on earth is to activate it. What would you say is like your true ingredient? I think I'm really good at execution. Did I say that last time? Now I'm like curious. No, now I can't remember. Now now I have to go back and listen to what your answer is. It's funny because I feel like a lot of people talk about doing things and I actually do them. And I think that's a very specific skill set, which I didn't really realize until later on. It's like crazy how rare it is. It is very rare. And I know so many smart people who are like, I have this business idea, da, 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 and they never launch it. They'll like never do it. And I'm like, they would be so good at that. But like starting something and actually executing it. Cause here's the thing, having a business idea is easy launching a business is hard. Like though that's, I would even argue that launching is not as hard as actually being in it or running a business. Right. Like I feel like even launching something like, I mean, it's not, it's definitely hard. It's hard as fuck, but like, I would say like year two. Oh yeah. Like most businesses don't survive year one. Right. That's real, real hard. (laughs) Then you keep going. Yeah. Execution is like where it's at being in the weeds. It's where it's at the best businesses I know that are crushing it the hardest have a real operator at the helm that is like in the weeds doing it. How the hell do you find that operator? I mean, where are you guys? I mean, let us Operators. (laughs) Operators, where are you? Have you ever heard of human design? Yes. I'm a manifesting generator. Okay. Have you ever interviewed Jenna Zoe? No. Okay. I'm dying to have her on this podcast. Jenna, if you're listening. Oh my God. I just found out about human design literally like two weeks ago. I'm a projector. Oh, interesting. So my my best friend is a projector. (laughs) Mm. We're totally different. Like some projectors typically wait for things to happen to them. They like kind of manifest and bring it in. Whereas I'm like, give me this thing now. I know, but I was operating as that. Yeah, And then literally two weeks ago, when I figured this out, I was like, let me just test this and see. And like literally my approach in LA was let's, let's operate as a projector and just like how you actually want to. The amount of opportunity that just like came. And I was like, is this just like in my head or is this real or like, what the hell? Listen to the episode on Work Party with Cami Crawford. She's a projector. We talk about it. Oh my God. I'm really excited. Okay. Anything else that you want to share with us? Oh, just like got to do my plug. But if you are interested in trying May, you can go to drinkmay.com and use podcast 10 for 10% off. Oh, amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's so nice of you. I love it. Well, you're obviously welcome back here anytime. I can't wait to try my May. Am I saying it right? May. Yeah. May. But I'm going to get you some girl. Okay. I cannot Are you a red, a white, a rosé? What's your... I'm a red. Okay. Perfect. I'm a red all the way. I can't wait. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you.
Thank you so much for making it all the way to the end of the episode. You have no idea how much it means to me. And I really do hope that you left this conversation feeling lighter, more in tune, and with some tools to apply to your own life. Please feel free to reach out to me via DM on Instagram. I would absolutely love that, which I have linked in the show notes on any feedback or guests that you want to have on. And if you do have a second, I would really appreciate you giving the podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts and a quick review. It really helps getting the podcast in front of more people like you. See you next week.